it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern, to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 66. Today, we're going to talk about several different topics. We're going to talk a little bit about owner's earnings, which is one of Warren Buffett's favorite formulas, if you will, or thoughts and ideas on how he looks at a business. And we're also going to talk a little bit about options. And before we start talking about those, I'd like to tell you about a book I just read recently. It's called F. Wall Street. And it was a fantastic book. It was very, very easy to read. And it is not full of jargon, if you will. There's not lots of technical terms in there. He's very good at explaining and breaking down different ideas like owner's earnings, for example. He also talks a little bit about intrinsic value. He also talks about discounted cash flows. But again, it's not super jargony. There's not a lot of math. And even the math that's in there is super, super simple. And you know, the other thing that's kind of cool about it is he comes from it as an angle. He's, he's a quote-unquote insider. He's somebody that works in the business. He buys and sells stocks for people that want to invest and but he comes at it as an angle of you know everybody in wall street's out to get something from you and he's not and it's very his his language is very it's not rough but he's very sarcastic is probably the best way of putting it especially attitude yeah thank you that's that's the better way of putting it yeah there's a lot of attitude and he's definitely coming at 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 a advantage of you know looking at wall street as sort of the enemy and when i say wall street he's really talking more about the big funds and the people that are out there trying to hustle as opposed to somebody who's there trying to help you invest your money and it's a great book i really really enjoyed it it's not very long it's about 250 pages give or take and it's very very fascinating i I would highly recommend it it's something something new that i came across i know andrew read it recently and he had suggested i never no you didn't read you uh, never finished one of, the, it, no. one of the failures that yeah. to get back on. <laughs> but I did read a little bit of it, yeah. And uh, he had recommended it to me based on his partial reading of it, <laughs> and uh, I really enjoyed Jay it. June, so Jay June really recommends that book pretty yeah. well too. Yeah, he does, and I think he gets. You can tell by some of his writing that he gets some of his ideas from from that book. So it was pretty cool. 
So Andrew, why don't you start us off, talk a little bit about owner's earnings, and we'll have a little roundtable on that, and then we'll talk about options. Yeah, sounds good. So, you know, what's what's the purpose of owner's earnings? Uh, Warren Buffett was the first one to really kind of popularize this idea. Um, and so I guess to kind of explain owner's earnings, we need to explain what earnings are. And at the risk of getting too technical, um, need to explain how earnings is kind of tabulated. Obviously, earnings drives Wall Street, right? So when you see earnings growth, uh, that's what the analysts are all focused on. They're looking at revenue growth, earnings growth. And that tends to make the stock either pop up or dive down. And sometimes it can happen even though it's not logical, right? So a company could do better than than their expectations with earnings growth and still have the stock pop up or up or down. Um, that's kind of a discussion for another day. However, the basic idea of earnings growth makes a business grow. Once you have more earnings, you have more profit, you can reinvest in the business, you can grow the business. And over the long, long term, stock prices tend to grow because earnings grow. Now, it's not as simple as just taking your, you know, for me, like I, I, I have my own business, right? For me, because it's a one-man show, revenue and expenses are pretty straightforward. Finding earnings for me is pretty straightforward. But once you get to like the public corporation size with thousands, ten thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees, uh, expenses for this, that, and the other thing, you have the possibility of expenses. You know, you could expense it from one year to the other. Uh, all these sorts of things can kind of make earnings a little bit more complicate, complicated. And so because it can be complicated, um, it can also uncover value for you. And so that's where kind of owner's earnings come in. If earnings are being misrepresented, I did not pronounce that right, but as it goes, <laughs> I mispronounce a lot of things. Um, basically, you can find pockets of value. You can find stocks that are better at maybe having the potential of having greater earnings in the future by using something like owner's earnings. And it does require having kind of a more advanced knowledge of financial statements. Uh, Buffett's in particular isn't too complex. Uh, it is one of those things where you, you don't want to cover each individual aspect in the podcast, but I will talk about some of the the general theory behind it. So like I said, uh, how earnings can get complex with corporations, I believe that's something that's important to understand. Uh, and it's a big reason why you can't just rely strictly on PE ratio because there can be discrepancies, there can be manipulations. We have seen that in the past. So you want to look at multiple multiple factors. So you know, obviously, one way to mitigate against bad earnings representation is owners' earnings. Other methods are some of the things that we teach, like looking at also your sales, your book value, lots of different ways to go about it. But when you think about how earnings is calculated, basically, uh, there are other things that a, a corporation needs to consider. So they would need to consider, like, interest and taxes. Those, those those tend to be big ones. So obviously corporations need to pay taxes. Um, you saw kind of an earnings 
boost with the latest tax cuts for corporations that kind of flowed through and led to more stock buybacks in in the market. Uh, you also have interest payments. So a company with more debt, uh, they might purchase bonds or other debt instruments. Uh, they will have to take that out of the earnings before, uh, you know, before really posting because that, that's true profit, right? I mean, you have earnings that you get from the business, and then you also have these other expenses that come along with running a business. So that's another thing. Uh, another big one is like depreciation and amortization. I believe we've covered the basics of that before, just kind of as a recap. Um, say you are buying, uh, you have to buy a huge factory to create widgets or whatever. Um, <clears throat> if, if, if you don't have depreciation, then it's going to make whatever year you buy the factory look like earnings are really bad when essentially you, you did fine as a business. So for example, let's say the, let's say you make $3 million a year and the factory costs you $6 million, right? So it looks like the first year you bought the factory that you had negative earnings or you didn't pull a profit when in reality, uh, you did pull a profit you just have this if if anything with the new factory you have a uh, higher earnings potential in the future uh and, and what happened in the core business as far as however much it costs you to pay employees versus what you brought in might still be the same or even better than the year before so then businesses use depreciation to kind of they'll take that expense and they'll average it out over let's say 10 years and so earnings more accurately reflects what's going on with the health of a business and, and what they really own, uh, earned, excuse me. And so that's really the, the whole purpose of earnings is to give you the health of the business, give you an idea of how the business is uh, doing, how it's turning a profit. And owner's earnings tries to give you a more accurate representation of that. So because earnings does take depreciation into account, it can also have some flaws because if a if a company is let's say over aggressive on buying factories right if if they're trying too hard too too fast to expand, then that can be a problem for investors because that can actually instead of help cash flow in the future it can hurt cash flow and so like I know Buffett um takes capital expenditures into into account when he calculates owner's earnings. And so he penalizes companies for having too much CapEx. And it's for that same logical reason is, is if a company's spending too much to reinvest in the business, buying too many factories, that's CapEx, then their real earning power actually isn't as high as as it as it might appear in in the regular earnings statement. And so hopefully that's not too complex. Hopefully it kind of gives you an idea of how earnings owners earnings is kind of calculated kind of why it is, right? And if it's something you want to pursue, I know a lot of value investors if they don't have if they don't follow Buffett's owners earnings calculation, they might kind of have their own or they might you might have heard of things called like EBITDA uh, and that's funny. Um, it's kind of a thing that's becoming a trend in the investment bank banking world in the uh, 
the more typical kind of Wall Street route that maybe Joe Ponzio is kind of trying to push against in his F Wall Street book. But, you know, like the guys that work at like Dusha Bank or Goldman Sachs, uh, there's a couple Instagram accounts I follow that are really, really funny and, and they make a lot of jokes about EBITDA. And what that is, it's another form of our earnings calculation. And so what they're doing is they're looking at, they're trying to look at what the core business is doing and they're ignoring things like depreciation, amortization, interest and taxes. And so again, there's going to be plus and minuses to calculating earnings and and calculating the variations of earnings. Uh, and it's going to be different per situation. So it can get really, really muddy and messy uh, which is why I tend to prefer to look at bigger scale things. I, I just want to see like total sales. I want to see total earnings and, and make sure there's just enough in there. But if you really, really want to get down to the nitty gritty and really, really attempt to understand and try to find undervaluation through kind of like a mastery of accounting, uh, then it's definitely something you can try to pursue. And owner's earnings could be a fantastic way to do it. And I know Ponzio covered it in uh, F Wall Street as well. And another book recommendation, if if you're really interested in owner's earnings and particularly the way Buffett calculated it, is called The Warren Buffett Way. And they show some of his previous successes, some of his best stock picks. And they show kind of how he calculated owner's earnings then and how he created valuations off of those. And so that can be... Again, just another useful tool, another great piece of information and maybe a, a jumping board to, to, to get you into learning more about financial statements. So that's kind of all I have to say about it. Well, that was quite a lot. That was good. Uh, a lot of great stuff that you unloaded on us there. Uh, the it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. 
Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. The thing that I really like about the owner's earnings, uh, Buffett created it back in 1986. He shared uh, his exact thoughts in one of his shareholder letters, and it was fantastic. I'm not going to read it to you on the air because there's a lot of gobbledygook in there that would really confuse people. But if you're really interested in it, uh, there is a um, I wrote a blog post about owner's earnings a while back, and I can put a, a, a link to it in the show notes. And it has uh, Buffett's quote in there about his thoughts on owner's earnings. So you can kind of get a an idea of what he was thinking about it. And I like all the things Andrew was talking about it. It's definitely a deep dive into the company for sure. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the accounting aspects of digging into financial statements and really learning the ins and outs of how a company thinks about different things, it's it's a great way to to look at it. One of the things that I like about owner's earnings is it gives you an idea of kind of what the company is doing with their money. Um, and kind of the reason why I say that is because the whole point of a company growing is to create assets, which is going to create cash flow. And it gives you an idea of using this formula. It gives you a really good idea of what the company is doing with their money. So whether they're going to use it to pay more assets or whether they're going to use it to pay out a dividend, uh, you can just use this this formula. It helps you see where that money should be going or could be going. And it gives you an idea behind the what management really thinks of the business and how they want to use it. And that's really kind of what it breaks down to. There's a lot of uh, deep dive accounting terms like, you know, CapEx and maintenance CapEx and averaging those out. And there's a lot of different things that you need to go into to really get into the nitty gritty of it. And again, you know, that's really more for somebody like me who's kind of a geek and I really like to dig into this kind of stuff. The the F Wall Street uh, version of owner's earnings is far more simple than what Andrew and I are talking about. And it's a lot more, a lot less involved. Uh, I like it as just kind of an overview tool to kind of give you a quick, you know, back of the envelope kind of idea of how the company is doing. And I think it's a good way to kind of help you screen for for companies a little bit, and that's kind of what the the angle he comes at it from the book. Uh, the owner's earnings that I'm talking about and the one Andrew is talking about is is a far more deep dive into the company and getting a little more in depth into what's really going on with the company. But basically, again, it kind of all boils down to you know what the company is doing with their with their assets, what they're doing with their liabilities, and how they treat those things. And the thing that I like about it too is it does take into account things like depreciation, amortization, and those are very can be very critical things to think about when you're thinking about the earnings of the company. Because the one thing I don't like about just looking at the net earnings of a company is that there can be some manipulation in there, and I I am certainly not an expert in determining all that but I'm trying to learn more about it. And 
it can be it can be a little bit misleading and i just feel like sometimes there's just a little too much wiggle room in there for me to not know and i'm one of those people that just has to know so yes i'm a nerd i get it i'm okay with that i've accepted it i'm 51 years old it's not going to change so i'm just going with it but the point of what i'm saying is that this is a great formula to use if you really want to dive deep into the company and you really want to find out what they're doing with their money and where it's going. I think that's kind of the basic point of the whole formula. So in a nutshell, it can be a good way to also evaluate management because they're making, like you said, decisions on what to do with their capital Mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't know. It can get really intense from there, but yes, um, there there's going to be situations. It's not black and white, but there's going to be times where it's better to give money back to shareholders rather than grow the business, uh, depending on what kind of efficiency or what what their growth picture kind of looks like. So you can kind of use that as another way to evaluate management without having to speak to them. And so I, I, I guess it, it could be useful in that way too. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yep. Very much so. All right. So moving on, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about options. So Andrew, why don't you give me your thoughts on options? Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. Options. Uh, stay away. If if you, (laughs) yeah, I mean, if, so if you think about, and there's some good things about options and we should cover that too. But if you think about really what you're trying to do with an investment, an investment is something where you put money at risk. You're supposed to be paid an income for that risk. And the idea is once you receive income from the investment, then you buy more investments with that income and then it can grow exponentially. We talk about that all the time, compounding interest, dividend reinvestment, yada, yada, yada. So with options, you have, you know, there's so many different types of options and it can be really easy to get tangled up into it and, and trying to really follow it if you're a beginner. But if you, if you really understand that when you're buying stocks, the reasoning behind it is to, because I'm not like some crazy expert, right? Like I, I don't. I don't try to go into the stock market or the investing world thinking that I have some edge that makes me better than everybody else. Like I could figure it out better than everybody else. There's, I don't argue that the average investor can be that way either. What, what we're really doing and what our true advantage is, is that we understand something that's so basic and so fundamental that's so lost once you again, kind of get tangled up into the world of investing, that simply by being a part owner of a business, simply by buying stocks that are kind of beaten down by the market, yet still have good business fundamentals, still have strong balance sheets, and simply by holding it for the long term and letting the interest work for you, rather than trying to work for the interest, work for the gains, work to try to do all these sorts of complex and uh, second, third, fourth level thinking and strategy and skills. Instead of trying to do all that, just simply put your money to work, let the businesses do the work, let them grow earnings, let that get funneled back to you, reinvest the money, and then 
do that consistently and, and hold for the long term and understand how the stock market works, understand that there are going to be bear markets. It's, it's inevitable. There are going to be recessions. It's inevitable. And that most of your gains will be made on the recovery because you stood your ground, because you did not cater to the common emotion that's felt in the market when people think stocks are just the worst thing ever. But so, so I guess saying all that, right, there are options that you can buy that provide you with income. There are options that you can buy that can hedge you, right? Like the idea of a hedge is to give you kind of like a backup plan because with anything that has to do with trading, investing, obviously there's so much uncertainty, nobody can predict the future. And so you can have things like hedges to, um, give you protection against something that that you don't expect to happen. You buy stocks expecting them to go up, but that's not always the case. And so that's where your hedge kind of comes in to rescue you. But that's all fine and good. And, and there's other strategies. Uh, I know like you can buy. And again, I'm not an expert and I haven't gotten super deep into the reads with this, but I know you can buy like I think it's you buy or you sell. Do you buy puts or do you sell or you sell puts? I think you sell calls and you buy puts, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so so you can like buy a naked put uh on a stock for example, and so Again, don't quote me if if I'm wrong, but the essential idea is the doing that will still give you an income uh and then it lets you buy so, so basically if the stock goes down so, so you do this on the stock you already want to buy right you've you've calculated its intrinsic value to be let's say $25 you buy there, there's some aspect of the naked put that puts you in if the stock trades to 15 and so you know if the stock's at 20 and you have this put that you can exercise at 15 then you know if the stock continues to fall, then then you then you win, right? You're happy because then you got to buy the same stock that was at twenty. Now you get to buy it at fifteen, and and you're essentially buying at a greater discount than if you just bought at twenty. It also provides you upside because you collect income along the way because you hold it. Uh, and so it's like, well, if the stock continues to rise, then that's fine because I'm I'm collecting income as if I were still holding it and 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 having it that to pay me a dividend right so so you have this a lot of these type of options trades uh that either work as hedges or they seem to work as a win-win situation so whether the stock goes up down or sideways it seems like you will be happy with the result but something to understand i think about wall street is that there's no such thing as a free lunch there's no such thing as completely eliminating risk. If we go back to the definition of investments, you're putting money at risk. Uh, there's no way to... You can you can try to do different things to kind of mitigate the risk, but it, it's always going to bring another risk along with it. And so a risk with the naked put option, for example, for, for value investing would be an opportunity cost risk. You know, Sure, you, you win on the upside or you win on the downside, but what about if if you were right on the stock and and it, and you bought it at 20 it goes up to 30 sure you might still get the upside of the put but you won't you won't have as much upside as if you if you would have just bought 
and so you you know even though you receive income you would not get that same stock price appreciation so you're always going to be trading off something and so in order to give yourself kind of like a win quote unquote on on a a trade that goes against you you have to give up upside to do that and so i say you know why even try to kind of outthink it right if if we've already talked about we've already determined uh, one of our first episodes, we talked about trying to time the market and how it doesn't really matter if you can time the market correctly as long as you're in there long enough that will actually beat uh, trying to time the market. And so that's why I kind of urge investors to stay away from options, especially if you're average, especially if you're a beginner, is because even though it, it can really give you kind of those win-win situations, it's not a true win-win and, and you can really cap your upside by doing that. And, you know, it can keep you out of a stock that you would have liked to be in. And then you still get the same kind of fear of missing out. So why not instead really be okay with the idea that, you know, I'm not trying to figure out which stocks are going to go down, which ones are going to go up. I'm not trying to mix a portfolio of like longs and shorts. I'm not trying to capture like a, a big movement with with an option thing where where you can really hit a jackpot if if a stock moves a certain way. I'm not trying to do any of that. That's all trying to predict things. All I'm trying to do is understand that most investors don't really understand what a good business looks like. All you have to do is look at some of the most expensive stocks right now, look at their balance sheets and their income statements and realize that these investors are nuts. So we can do that. We we can use that same knowledge to generally figure out what a stock's really worth and buy the ones that are trading much lower than it, avoiding the ones like Tesla that are trading much higher than what they're really worth. And again, we can really hold for the long term, which is a huge advantage compared to a lot of the mutual funds who are in and out of trades uh, by the year. And, and they're not really true buy and hold. And and we've talked about the implications of uh, the whole financial industry. One of our first five or six episodes was also about that, maybe episode seven. I don't know. So just keeping those things in mind, I think it really makes sense to avoid options. It really makes sense to just kind of stick to what what's simple, stick to what works. And instead of wasting brain power on trying to figure out what options are, even though it's it's something, yeah, maybe get a general understanding, but really is it a rabbit hole you'd want to go down? I think if you want to go down a rabbit hole, I'd much rather say you go down the owner's earnings rabbit hole than like a rabbit hole about options or puts or shorting or hedging or or any of those sorts of things. And I think one last reason why options are bad, not last reason, maybe one of many reasons, is that uh, you really have to leverage, you have to invest with margin. So you, you have to essentially borrow money from a broker. And with that comes all sorts of complications. Uh, we're probably one of the most anti-debt people out there. I know that's kind of few and far between. Maybe I won't speak for Dave, but at least for myself, I'm, I'm like super anti-debt when it comes to stocks and personal finances. I'm right there with you. Okay. So maybe we're, we're conservative to a fault, but uh, just investing with debt leads to all sorts of problems. It can make you exit a trade. Um, you'll, you'll be forced to exit a trade when you don't want to, uh, when you invest on margin. And that's just one of the many things that can go wrong. And so, again, you have to buy options with margin. And so 
I don't want to buy with any debt at all anyways, even though maybe the risk of losing a lot of money is really small. Uh, still not something I want to pursue. And, and it's not something I really want to recommend for most people. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think one of the things that I like about what you were saying was the margin and using the risk and it really, you know, options really comes down to what your risk tolerance is and whether you're comfortable using all those tools as a way to invest. And I'm not, and it's, that's just not something I really want to go down that rabbit hole at all. And so frankly, I really have not learned more than just the cursory amount of it. I started reading a little bit about it when I first got into investing and it just sounded scary, risky, a great way for me to lose any sort of money that I had. And I just did not find it appealing in any way, shape or form. And again, this doesn't mean that it is bad or that it's all bad. If your risk tolerance can handle the ups and downs of this or the fluidity of everything that goes on and using leverage and debt to help finance your financial dreams, then by all means, learn as much about it as you can and, you know, hope for the best. But I think the way that Andrew and I look at investing and our ideas of how to grow your wealth are far more conservative, but they're also a lot less risk-free. Like I can go to bed at night and not stew and stew and fret about what's going to happen in the stock market tomorrow because I don't have to worry about that. I'm not leveraged to the gills. I don't have a huge trade that may get forced to, like Andrew said, it may get forced to sell tomorrow and I could lose my shirt on it just because of the way I've set up my options. So again, if it's something that you're comfortable with doing, go for it. If you're not like Andrew and I, it's why even go down that rabbit hole? I think, you know, an owner's earnings rabbit hole would be far more beneficial to you in the long run than running an options, you know, game. That's just, I get my, my thought on that. I mean, to be sure, you can make a lot of money with options. There's plenty of stories online about it. Uh, and it can be fun for some fun money too uh, because because of the leverage, it, it tends to magnify your results. So you could turn like $1,000 into 100000 But at the same time, you know, for all the reasons we already mentioned, I don't think it's a good route to take. And it's I, I see it more as gambling than investing for, for most people. Yeah, I would I would agree. Unless you really got the time to really educate yourself and really learn how it works in and out, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, and you almost have to play it as if uh, you're more you're better at playing the game itself rather than like actually analyzing companies because you right. can be right on the trade or you could be right on your investment thesis and still lose money on the trade. So you kind of have to more so have a little bit of a crystal ball and or just have a superior strategy that really focuses on the options part of it rather than the stock market part of it. Exactly. Yeah, I would agree. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our discussion today on owner's earnings and options. I hope you found some value in it and you learned a thing or two. So without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and sign off. You guys have a great week. Go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety, and we'll talk to you guys next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com.
www.thepowerofpositivity.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChumpaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.